Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello, welcome to a new episode of Ten Backward, the UK-based podcast uh, talking all about Star Trek. I am one of your hosts, Rick Everson, and I am joined today by Rick Palmer. Hello. Uh, Gemma Turland. Hello. And Will Turland. Hello. And because we are in the year that is uh, Voyager's 25th anniversary... Uh, we're doing some more talking about Voyager, as we've done a few episodes on. Uh, so we thought this time might be a good idea to have a look at the Voyager pilot, Caretaker, and the Voyager finale, Endgame. Um, and just have, because we did this, I think, last a couple of years ago with Next Generation, we like compared Encounter at Farpoint and um, all good things. So thought it'd be a good idea to have a look at how Voyager started, how it finished, and what we thought of the general beginning in the wrap-up. So, it's, a, uh, it's a really efficient way to watch a show as well, I think. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah. for, for anybody, if you want to go, if you've got someone at the office that's always gone on about that show that you haven't got around to watching, then just watch the first episode and the last episode and you'll yeah. you'll know everything. You yeah, need. except, you know, why, why that character <laughs> has changed or a different character has appeared and one's disappeared. <laughs> also, you get that odd sense where, like, some people are fatter than they were in the last episode. <laughs> Uh, and some people just, their hair is different. Mm. But, you know, apart from that, it's okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think in, I think in the case of, like, with Caretaker and Endgame, be like, right, flipping out, Caretaker's brilliant. Let's start Endgame. Where is Janeway's bun gone? That is it. I've not had enough of this shit. I'm off. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I'm just going to say, I, I fully predict this episode, this uh, recording is going to end up being a two-parter. I agree. Because I just feel like there's no way we can talk about um, two uh, feature-length episodes <laughs> and keep that down to a sensible uh, listening length, is I there? I agree. No. no. So shall we, um, shall we talk about Caretaker first? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Curse you, Gemma, and your rebellious ways. <laughs> no, let's talk about the second Absolutely. half of Endgame. Exactly, first. yes. Well, no, let's talk about the middle of Endgame. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then the end of Caretaker. Don't be daft, no. Gemma. Let's. <laughs> yeah. The third um, ever break of Endgame. Um, oh, let's do it your way. Yeah, this is why I shouldn't. I, just, I, I made a common parenting mistake I often make is that I said, "Shall we do this?" instead of "We are going to do this." Um, so we're going to talk about Caretaker first, then we can talk about Endgame and just generally chat about the comparisons as we go. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're all good, we'll stop for ice cream. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Caretaker. Um, that was uh, some years ago. This first came out. Um, was it ninety five? I think probably yeah. something like that. Yeah, I think Memory Alpha told me it was ninety five. Sixteenth of January, nineteen ninety five. It premiered on American television. So twenty five years ago. Oh yeah, that's that's kind of the thing we were talking about the twenty fifth year. Oh, we're so smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, me and Gemma had basically the same conversation while we were watching Caretaker. Yeah. I just remembered. I was like, "Oh, it's bang on twenty-five years." Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's how anniversaries work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the whole thrust of um, Destination Star Trek this year. It was going to be celebrating Voyager's twenty-fifth. So. Mm. Um, um, so yes, Caretaker started. By this point, we'd already had two Star Trek spin-offs in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. So. Uh, we were kind of like ready for another show. We didn't. This wasn't going to be. I think that when wasn't like this. How are they going to capture this again? Because they'd already done it twice. So um, I don't know. I mean, if, if you got, do you guys remember back in '95 in those crazy days of the mid '90s? What were your feelings about another Star Trek series coming out? I I don't know that I do remember really how I felt about. Um, another Trek series. I think I was enjoying DS9 mm. and um, and TNG. And I, I think maybe I'd, I don't know if I felt like I was ready to, to embrace another <laughs> Trek series yet. Um, I think I was happy about it. <laughs> I think I didn't start thinking this is enough and, uh, until Enterprise. Yeah. So I think I was, yeah, I was positively disposed. Does anyone know when Voyager came to us in the UK, when we would have seen it? Um, Later that year, I guess. If it premiered in America in January, then I guess maybe maybe later in 1995? Well, I'm not sure because um, back in those days, it was a lot longer before it came out. <laughs> um, and often Sky would have it. Yes, and then it might come to BBC. I know. I know myself. Um, I I watched them at the at the local Star Trek club where we had tapes sent over from America. So I was fortunately quite up to date. Um, I'm, I'm looking on Memory Alpha now, and um, Caretaker came out on video in the UK in June that year. Okay, ah, so the so earliest would... we could have seen it would have been June later that year. Hmm. Yeah, that was when that was when you get a tape, and the tape would only have like maybe three or four episodes, not even the entire season. Two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Such a way of getting money out of people, out of nerds. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair, nowadays it is you get you get more you get more for your money these days. I think that was the the wild west of nerds getting their thing that they like. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea that Rick Rick. E was able to to see it in a special Star Trek club where someone would yeah. would mail tapes over from America, like like an analog tape. And also, was, if, uh, if I a, remember uh, correctly, in America they have a different video system to us in merry old England. So that would over. So Rick, did you have like a special American videotape playing machine? The, the, the guy who ran it did have it's, a, a PAL. It's PAL, isn't it? Like they, they have they, PAL, have, they have, have PAL, and we have VHS. No, no, um, it's all VHS, but the, the it's um, <laughs> we have PAL and they have NTSC. Oh, okay. And I don't know if that's something to do with the encoding signal or something on it, but um, they had appropriate video equipment. <laughs> so, um, and I remember it was a it was a small meeting hall that was rented, and uh, it'd have two TVs set up at the front. So, depending which side of the room you sat, you'd be able to see a closer TV. Um, <laughs> 
and we watch a couple of episodes, have a raffle and a bingo. It's great. Amazing. Oh, why can't, oh, I wish that still existed. I really so do. Why? I love it. It's it it brilliant. So, you know, I, I, I love the idea of people getting together like that to watch Star Trek. It's, mm. that's, that's really cool. Did, did yeah. they ever have a meat raffle? No, it wasn't meat. It was it was Star Trek toys merchandise. Uh, well, at one time, um, he he'd managed to get his hands on this massive job lot of Guinan figures from Generations. <laughs> and for about six months, <laughs> it was like so many Guinan figures up for grabs. Oh man, that's brilliant! That's such a great. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Just uh Oh, do you want five hundred guinans for uh, two hundred pounds? Like, hello. <laughs> yes, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, this will keep the this will keep the raffle going for ages. Put them all in this giant this giant hat. <laughs> uh, um, you know what? We should talk about um, the pilot episode. Why Voyager. Why can't can we talk about the difference between how videos are played in America and in the UK? <laughs> To clarify, I've just looked it up, and on UK TV, Caretaker first came out on the 26th of August, 1996, so a year and a half later. What? Yeah. Right. That's crazy. I know. So I'm, sure, I'm sure I would have seen it on TV, so I think it would have been, yeah, would have been 16. Even though I watched that, and I feel like I must have had some awareness of that delay, still seems bizarre to have like a year and a half delay between yeah, yeah it's crazy isn't it um i know for a lot for, a, for the first few series me and um a friend he would get the voyager tapes and i'd get the deep space nine tapes and then a few of us all get together this is after the star trek club had ended right um, the, the guy running it eventually sort of gave it up and it never really got restarted um so we would be buying the tapes between us and watch them and just get a few of us get together to watch them uh, okay because I, I remember what i remember what i remember is that i would like I, it's funny. I, I, I always remember watching Star Trek, but I didn't have any. I didn't have any friends at school who were into it. I just liked watching it. And in that in that era, I have to admit, I, I was maybe more of like an X Files guy. That was my that was my big interest. I think the the stuff that happened in the X Files, like UFOs and monsters and, and things like that. So yeah. I think that was the show I was obsessed about in the in that era was the X Files. But I really liked Star Trek. Um, so I didn't have that. Yeah, I didn't have that like video club or anything. But I just remember really liking Voyager and all Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. So may, maybe Voyager wasn't. Let's feel like the start of Voyager was a really big deal to any of us. No. Being as none of us can really remember <laughs> watching it, unless as um, Rick Everson, unless you do have strong memories of watching Caretaker first time round. Uh, I remember really enjoying it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I remember being excited about it coming up. I devoured any news stories I could find on it, which is somewhat limited back then because it's pre-internet, so I'm reliant on any newspaper or magazine articles I could find. Like a, like to, you had to go down to the local telegraph station. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I do remember there's a lot of the pre-publicity materials called the Dr. Dr. Zimmerman. Um, oh, Yeah. And then, then I, was, I was a bit confused because I was like, is he ever going to get this Zimmerman name? And ultimately he never did, but Zimmerman was the name of the guy who programmed him. Right, so, yeah. Right, yes, yeah. That always stuck in my mind. 
this is too it's too it's too long a telegraph to explain why the doctor doesn't have a name let's just call him <laughs> yeah people are gonna be spending too much money on on telegraphs to, to, we don't want that to happen <laughs> yeah so um, um, but yeah i mean first watching it I, I really enjoyed it i loved seeing the opening crawl thing i loved it there's some payoff to all those marquee <clears throat> episodes that ds9 and uh, next gen have been doing I was going to mention the opening crawl is consistent with um, the DS9 pilot has an opening crawl as well. It does, doesn't it? yeah. But I don't think Encounter at Farpoint does, or does Enterprise? No, actually. no, Enterprise doesn't. So it felt like the crawl, the opening crawl thing was something they were trying out in the in yeah. the nineties, <laughs> and then. Yeah, I, I heard that there was an opening crawl for TNG, but it just ended up being really long because they had to explain about Picard hating children. So they just, they just scrapped it. That's not true. That's, I made that up. But it's like it's an exciting uh, opening, isn't it? It's like an action sequence mm. uh, in the in the Badlands, which I guess we're familiar with from DS Nine, and we're introduced to the the Marquis crew. Yes, and on rewatch, I was like, "This is amazing! We're actually seeing the Marquis being the Marquis, the Marquis. Yeah. for like kind of. two or three minutes. Yeah, two or three whole minutes. Um, I'd forgotten we ever really get to see in them the whole doing. of the series. Yeah. You get to see them being the Marquis." Yeah. Two or three minutes. And then they just every so often say Mackie through the series. Yeah, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Or just grumpy about something. Yeah. I th- I'd, I'd read that the, the, in the, the way the story was imagined, they would be a sort of an outlaw group mm-hmm. that would end up hooking up with the Voyager crew in the Delta Quadrant. And I think for ease of storytelling... They decided that they were going to be Mackie so that they didn't have to uh, kind of explain their backstory. Because, mm. you you know, you watch DS9, you already know who the Mackie are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah. In, and it's in, a nice tie into that world. Yeah. Mm. But I, I think that works. Yeah. And actually, yeah. The, um, the Cardassian who's chasing them, Golovec, has appeared in Marquis episodes in both Next Gen yeah. and Deep Space Nine previous to this. And you are recognised his name. Oh, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in the he's in the DS9 Marquee two-parter. Um, and I think he's in the, the episode of Next Gen where Anson Rowe leaves and joins the Marquee. Right, okay. That's a nice little tie-in. Mm. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine if Ensign Rowe was part of the Marquee crew oh. that went over to Voyager? That would be amazing. Oh. Well, a uh, and originally, the the idea was that she might be she would be Kira Norris's character in DS Nine. Yeah, but, but the actress didn't want to commit to doing that. Yeah, um, the actress was all like, "No, I've had enough of sci-fi. I'm going off to do other things." And then we she ended up on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if she said she had enough sci-fi. I'm making that up. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think it's a co- it's a cool, exciting opening. Mm. I've got to admit, I loved the um, the little space battle and the the old model effects oh, um, yeah. action sequence. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then is the is the first uh, Starfleet character we're introduced to? Um, is it Paris that we go to first? Yes. Well, he's not Starfleet at that point, is he? Well, the first no. Starfleet character you're introduced to is Tuvok, of course. Touche, yes. 
Good point. Good no, point. no, Tuvok, not too, not touche. <laughs> oh yeah, that's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's Paris, and then it pans up Janeway, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, I think yeah, it's Janeway because Janeway is going to get Moving Paris, over. isn't she? Yeah. Um, so I guess it's Janeway. I thought it was interesting. I'd forgotten that we see we actually see a lot of that story sort of from Paris's point mm. of view. Mm. In some ways. It feels like we're with Paris at the beginning and then kind of get a bit of his his growing friendship with um, with Harry Kim. Their bromance. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's love at first sight, isn't it, really? It oh. is. It is, yeah. Yeah. Can we um can can, can we talk about that DS9 scene? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, with Quark. Yeah. Well prior to that, um, the, the, you see that shuttle with Paris and Lieutenant Stati on it, mm-hmm. and Paris is like kind of flirt up a storm with her, and she's like having none of it. Yeah, he's a total horn dog, isn't he? Yeah. Like he's a he's a he's a space Lothario. Until today, I always considered your people warm and sensual. I can be warm and sensual, just not to me. Do you always fly at women at warp speed, Mister Paris? Only when they're in visual range. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're kind of selling him as like a bit of a lovable rogue, like a kind of a. Well, they got half of it right. I felt that he was a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do think that this 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 part of the episode we're talking about is similar to when in the motion picture when we see the Enterprise for the first time. But it, but it, you know, it it shows you Voyager and everything. And, yeah. and that Paris is impressed by this ship, but mm. it doesn't take as long to. It doesn't kind of indulge um, the viewer as much as it does in the motion picture. Yeah, yeah. Made, that, that scene, that that scene, just made me think of of how how the, how indulgent um, they are with looking at the Enterprise in motion picture, whereas in Voyager, it's about I don't know, like. 20 seconds. I, I think it's almost yeah. like a little indulgent callback on a TV budget compared to an over-bloated movie budget for the uh, yeah. motion picture. Yeah. It's, uh, it's still quite nice, though. I mean, I like... I do like I they do like, it. Mm. Yeah, I like that they look out the window and they're like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think when Voyager sets off, they, they, they make a point of showing the light come on to illuminate the name and registry as well. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Which is definitely Listen, a callback. There's some decent exposition as well, like Ensign, is it Stasi? Stardy. Stardy. No, the Stasi of the East German police, sorry. Yeah. Stardy. <laughs> Stardy does some good exposition when they talk about, I'm pretty sure it talks about bioneural gel packs. Yeah. 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 And the top speed. And they'll just give you a little bit, this is an advanced ship. This is, this is a new top of the line kind of ship with some extra special capabilities, which is really cool. That's Voyager. Intrepid class, sustainable cruise velocity of warp factor 9.975. 15 decks, crew complement of 141. Bioneural circuitry. And its nay sails go like whoop when it wants to go to warp. <laughs> they hold that, don't they? You don't see that till the very end of the pilot. Uh, and in fact, don't they actually leave that bit out of the opening sequence? Oh, do they? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm have to double check, but I always thought they left that out of the opening credits, so to hold the surprise for the end. Well, you know how the nacelles kind of they kind of fold up a little bit before it goes to warp. 
yeah, no. Yeah. Have you never noticed I that? Yet? Well, I, it maybe just glossed over me. Maybe I'm so familiar with it. It's, yeah. it's funny because I'm sure a lot of nerds. Um, <laughs> thought that that was stupid um, <laughs> at the time. I'm sure there were some moans about the fact that Voyager's nacelles kind of folded up a bit and went to one people like, oh, well, why would that happen? make any sense. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I read, I'm, I'm sure there's been some like retconned explanation yeah. that there's an episode of TNG where some people take over the ship because warp travel is destroying subspace or something. Yeah, they entry shop. I'm pretty sure I've read some theories saying, well, if, you, if the warp cells fold up, it creates a more a smaller warp bubble, and then, of course, uh, <laughs> it uh, causes yeah. less damage. There was definitely some chatter <laughs> that, 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 that the whole point of that thing was to minimise or eliminate the damage to subspace that was talked about in TNG, but it's never mentioned on screen, I don't think. But I do yeah. remember being at a friend's house... Um, and he hadn't seen the pilot. Well, his dad hadn't seen the pilot, but they'd bought the video. Actually, it's the same guy who bought the videos I was talking about earlier. Um, so his dad was watching the pilot for the first time. And sort of I was around the house at the point, And it got to the end bits of the pilot where the nacelles fold up and it goes to warp. And on, honestly, he was a grown man. He got so flipping excited about it, which now as a grown man, <laughs> I understand. But he certainly didn't think it was stupid. Uh, he thought it was brilliant. And I always I, appreciate that sort of that joy that he took in such a simple moment. Did did anyone else feel a little spark of joy when they saw Voyager docked at Deep Space Nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just cool to see. Yeah, and I I knew that that happened because I knew that there was that DS Nine scene, and that's where they start. But to see it on screen and see Voyager docked with DS Nine, oh man, yeah. <laughs> I come almost welling up. <laughs> That's so cool. I was, um, I did notice though in that shuttle, you see the shuttle go by and it's got a fairly random registry number on the side. Then as it starts to go around DS9 towards Voyager, it says 1701D on the side. What? I know. Someone reused a bit of shuttle footage from Next Gen and didn't amend <laughs> it. Motherfucker. I know. <laughs> I hope they got oh, fired for that blunder. Oh, that shuttle's just been, you know, lent <laughs> to Deep yeah. Space Nine and they haven't yeah, bothered yeah, to yeah. retouch it's it. It's on a loan or something. Yeah, yeah. in my head, Canon, that's perfectly. Yeah, yeah someone's it was... gone. Someone's on holiday, took a shuttle. <laughs> O'Brien, maybe O'Brien took that yeah. shuttle when he went to DS9 and then he. His private little shuttle. He, he told he told mm. um, he told Picard he'd get that shuttle back to the Enterprise. <coughs> oh, he never he had any intention of getting oh. it back to the Enterprise, did he? He is a my my alternative theory. <laughs> my alternative theory is that the Enterprise D took Paris and study nearly to DS Nine, but then Picard was like, "I'm not going there because Cisco fucking hates me." So just take a shuttle the rest of the way. We feel really awkward. Yeah. Around Cisco, so I'm not going. He's there. still mad about the whole Lacuous thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry. I know ages ago, Rick, you you really wanted to talk about that scene on DS9 yeah. with Quark, and then we <laughs> changed the subject like seven times. I'm I'm, I'm fine having a talking <laughs> complete, you know, fan wank about the ship and everything. That's that's cool. Um, so yeah, the the whole scene in the bar. Um, it, it's a lovely little scene, you know. You see Quark. There's that familiarity. You even see Morn, and then there's the whole Quark's doing his salesman banter, and he's trying to sell these things to Kim. And then Paris comes in to rescue him. You know, rescues the naive young ensign from the uh, ruthless Ferengi and starts mm. their friendship. 
But one bit just sits really badly with me is that bit where um, where Kim says, they warned us about Ferengi at the Academy. We were warned about the Ferengi at the Academy. Warned about Ferengi, were you? That's right. Slurs about my people at Starfleet Academy. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Slurs against my people. And you know what? Fucking hell, yeah. It is slurs yeah, against his people. Really. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of the old... Uh, the old um, yeah, the, xenophobia and racism hmm. coming in. It yeah. harkens back to a lot of Quark's speeches about um, how humanity thinks it's so great and looks down on the Ferengi. But yeah. uh, actually, are they are they at heart so different? Are humanity actually that much better? And the way the way that it, it plays out, the way Kim um, Harry says it, it's as if it's like an official warning. It's not mm. just like oh, people talk at the academy about how you got to be careful of the Ferengi. It's like it sounds like it's something that was delivered to them in a lecture. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a pamphlet. And like, this is why you shouldn't trust the dirty Ferengi. Yeah, yeah. 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 What they, sh- they should have included is also don't tell them that we're jipping them off at the academy though because they'll get really pissed off. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do, I did really like that scene. I thought it was a really good introduction to Harry Kim, hmm. and then a nice little um, entry from from um, Paris when he shows up, hmm. and and him and Harry start their friendship there. And actually, like, oh, I thought all that really worked well, hmm. and this. You know, sometimes in a pilot episode, um, it doesn't feel like the actors have quite got the characters down or, or, or the writers haven't got the characters down. Mm. I certainly felt that in the DS9 pilot. But, but in, in this one, like that scene, that just felt like Harry in Paris oh, yeah, totally. straight away, I thought. The only thing that doesn't sit quite is just how easily Paris befriend... that he wanted to befriend Harry. I think that he, he, you know, he wanted to help him. Fine, I can see that, but I can't. Just the, that that particular Paris, why he was so just up for for you know full on friendship with with Harry. At do, that you, point. do you think it's a case of uh, they became friends because that's what yes what they did? I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, know, I mean, I think you know there were later points where. The uh, later on, where everyone was was being, you know, <laughs> largely unfriendly to Paris on the ship, mm. and Harry was like, you know, I'll, I'll choose my own friends, mm. and I yeah. can believe that after they've been together for a while and got to know each other. But I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. It was a bit, it was a bit too easy. No, I liked. I was what he wants my cockles. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I that I quite liked is that you get a little tease. You get introduced to um, some of the other crew members on the ship who are going to get killed. Yeah. Um, so you get introduced to um, the doctor. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten that there was that there a was doctor. a human yeah. doctor. <laughs> and you get introduced like, to who's this guy. Yeah. What's he doing in medical? And Janeway's um, mm. original first officer yeah. as well. I was a bit like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these dickheads on the bridge? <laughs> and both of them hate Paris. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. Um, oh, um, yeah. there is a lovely scene. Sorry, before we get too deep into that one. I um, wonder why they both died. Because they hated Paris. Oh, well, yes. Because <laughs> so, uh, uh, 
Devices on the ships are designed to explode in people's faces. <laughs> well, like, I mean, oh, well, yeah, we could have taken out that design flaw, but uh, it looks pretty cool. Skipping ahead particularly, when, when the displacement wave hits the ship, uh, Janeway says, brace for impact. And so her first officer, does he brace or does he just run across the bridge? Ah, I need to brace, but I need to run to where I need to brace. No, just brace. Yeah. <laughs> brace where he stood. We were debating that because I was like, I thought, I reckoned he had a favourite bracing spot. He was like, yeah, I'm going to get right up to the front because that's where I go when I have to. Ah, too late. Fuck it out. Should have chosen a bracing spot closer to my station. So, yeah, right on my chair where I have a chair that's just there. But um, Ensign Stasi, she braced too and she died. She was yeah. fully braced. Yeah, so, she, she, braced bracing... against, she braced against an exploding console. That's true. So maybe bracing isn't the best instruction. Like, uh, I don't know what you can say apart from brace for impact. Just say, <laughs> hold on to your butts. Say, hold on to your butts. Say that instead. Do, do you know what, though? This, I mean, the, the Voyager pilot really does make the case that perhaps they should have seatbelts. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like you wouldn't need to brace for impact if you had a ruddy seatbelt on. Yeah, but to be fair, the one guy, one of the guys who died wasn't even in his chair. He or airbags. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, airbags. Or, I mean, it's or not at least some sort of fuse system to stop consoles exploding in your face. Yeah, it's not health and safety gone mad. It's, it's <laughs> health and safety. safety. Health like, and safety weren't even allowed on board. <laughs> yeah, it's a ruddy death trap. Um, um, I bet they have like I bet under the bridge there's like a gaping chasm with a with a thin walkway and no handrail as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought, but also um, rocks. As we know, yeah, yeah. spaceships, are, uh, Starfleet vessels are full of rocks. Mm. <laughs> That's true. That um, so before we move to, I did want to um, highlight that scene where Janeway's talking to her boyfriend. Yes, oh, Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just really nice, and because um, one of the things with the, with the Voyager pilot is um, Kate Mulgrew was not the first hired actress for Janeway. Ah. It was Genevieve Bujold. It was indeed. And she filmed several scenes. So then she said, actually, I don't care for this at all, and left. Um, so they pulled Kate Mulgrew in, um, and bless her, she had to then go in and reshoot all these scenes that all these people had already done before with a different actress. And I think she does flipping good. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I just really like this scene because it really humanises her straight off from uh, from the beginning, that she has this boyfriend, she has this dog, and the relationship they have just seems so nice and so real. Um, you know, she wants him to look after the dog, and he's like, oh, I've just got my rugs clean. But actually, he's already picked the dog bed up. Yeah. And it's just really, yeah. really nice. Um, and it even mean that bit, like, uh, when she says, you, you never bother me, except in the way I like to be bothered. And you're like, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> All right. Then I won't bother you anymore. Hey. You never bother me. Except the way I love to be bothered. Understand? I'll remember that. Um, I don't think he mean I don't think he means that. I think he's just I think he I, I think totally he does. That. I think he was a little bit sore. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't think but I mean if it is, if it is that then fine. That's absolutely fine. I just I don't bothering is is, is that <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, an odd, that's an odd term for... You're right. 
<laughs> Maybe you're not doing it right, Rick, but I can assure you, I'm always a bother. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm. That's a bit. That's a bit too personal, Rick. <laughs> yeah, I, I can believe that that Rick is always a bother. I think I think he's correct. <laughs> I don't think he should be so proud of it. <laughs> no, no, I don't. But I think he's probably right. He's probably is uh, um, actually, that that's interesting that you say that that um, um, Kate Mulgrew wasn't the first choice of actress because that it it did feel like she had that character down. Mm, that's straight away. Down. Straight what, away. There was a, there was a scene that you'd picked up on Gemma. Um, it was something to do with like her, the, oh, her body language. When that... um, when Jacote and the other guy beamed, oh, and Tuvok obviously beamed onto the ship. So they, when they'd been released by the caretaker, and they found that Harry and um, Milana were still there, mm. and they said, "Let's join together and save our people." And they beamed onto the ship, and um, <laughs> Tuvok said, "Oh, phew." Right, hello, Captain. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back. And <laughs> what? Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, Chicote got really cross, and he, was, oh no, no, it was Paris. Yeah. He was having yeah. a go at Paris, mm. and um, and Janeway just stepped into Chicote's space and almost chest bumped him and just told him to, you know, back off. He's a member of my crew. Yeah. You all respect that. Yeah. Back down. You know, to see a, a female having that um, sense of her own command was is just glorious, and that was from the get-go. Mm. Yeah. That's just Janeway being Janeway. You betrayed us for what? Freedom from prison? Latinum? What was your price this time? You are speaking to a member of my crew. I expect you to treat him with the same respect as you would have me treat a member of yours. That feels like that's the kind of thing that... That an actress brings to a performance like it feels yeah. like you know maybe oh, she yeah. wasn't directed to do that maybe she was like well this is what i think the character would do yeah yeah she's up yeah she's just stupendous in that role i remember kate mulgrew saying oh i think she t- tells a story in interviews um that early on in, um when she got the role patrick stewart had a chat with her and he said if you do this and you really commit to it you will do some some of the work that you'll be the most proud of or something to that effect, and mm. I think if then from if you look at her there, you can see that she's always got that in her mind that she is really good going for it, mm. and that she's aware just just how big this can be. You know, if you really commit to doing Star Trek, you can you can make something that, that you know you can really look back on and be proud of. Yeah, that's great. I didn't get a call from Patrick Stewart when I started <laughs> a new job. Have you guys? Have you? Has that ever happened to you guys? No, no, it's not called me directly. Uh, I've imagined, <laughs> um, but but he's quite disparaging when in imagine it like head head Patrick Stewart's like, oh, this job isn't going to work out, Will. <laughs> Is that what <laughs> happening when you're muttering and crying to yourself in the corner? Hey, yes, <laughs> it is. It's one of the things Thank that's going God. on. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. worried there. A few other things going it's on, but it's Ted one of Patrick the... dissing you again. <laughs> yeah, because you had nothing but a disappointment. Will, oh, jeez, that's not me. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> nicely, nicely covered, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you're right. Like I, I would say that um, 
Um, Kane Mulgrew definitely sets up Janeway from the get-go. I, I, mean, it, I, I, I Janeway is a character that, 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 that her core values are there from from the very start. Doesn't see. I mean, I, I, clearly, obviously, her character does evolve a bit over those seven seasons of Voyager, but at the core of it, it's you know everything about her is in that initial performance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think the more I rewatch Voyager over the years, the more I appreciate. Uh, how good her performance always is. Yeah. And I, th- I think I think in other... If you compare Caretaker to Encounter at Farpoint and, and Emissary, I think I think that the actors have a handle on their characters or, or you know, even the, even the writers maybe mm. had a handle on those characters much better than either of the those other two pilots, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like, like they're... Um, Janeway's more focused in this. Like she's, I don't. She doesn't seem as conflicted as Cisco or Picard were in their first episodes. Yeah, yeah. Picard's like, oh, I hate children, and <laughs> Cisco's like, oh, uh, I hate Picard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and they have to get through, and they have to get through that a little bit. Um, you know. And, Janeway has a has challenges too, but but yeah. but the, the, but ultimately they're they're n- they're not things that that mean she has to sort of reach some kind of resolution. Like it's it's I guess it's a different story as well in this pilot yeah, than the other two. But story. her character has more of a focus of mm. events. You know, she has she has to do this then she has to do that and she has to it's not a kind of um she's not setting up a, a space station in, yeah uh, you know in a yeah politically woolly area yeah in, in emissary because cisco's struggling with that sort of career move i yeah. suppose but he's taken but but yeah in and, and this is something i thought was interesting that they uh, i was reading on on memory alpha that they made the, the decision that the voyager pilot needed to be a fun action adventure mm-hmm. um and there needed to be peril and um and that that kind of scenario means that st- straight away janeway's kind of like dealing with a crisis mm-hmm. in the very beginning um <clears throat> which like feeds well into a character i think yeah uh, but like gives us something to do um as well She's she's a little bit more gung ho as well. I like um, after they're taken through and they've gone, the the caretakers basically abducted them, done his experiments, and sent them all back to the ship. Uh, and then uh, uh, the bit Gemma highlighted where um, Chakotay beams over and they just start to work together. Her response is right. We're going to beam back over to the array. Get the big phaser guns out. Get all the rifles out. Um, and I'm like, I can't remember Picard ever say, get those big rifles out. Oh yeah, at least yeah. Prior to the movies, anyway. Yeah, she does yeah. specifically say I can't remember what compression phaser rifles. He doesn't right. use big rifles. <laughs> no. Break out the compression phaser rifles. Meet us in transporter room two. We're going back. What did you guys think about the the there's a bit in the in the in the in this episode where they go to sort of they go to the array that this 
they go to they, they find a space station, don't they? When they arrive yeah, in the yeah. Delta Quadrant, and they go onto the space station, they end up in sort of a a, a virtual reality, basically, which mm. is sort of an old time southern hospitality farmhouse. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I, I thought that was a. It made me think a little bit of of how in Encounter at Farpoint there's that bit where Q takes them to the trial scene in in like part for them past Earth. Oh yeah. Um, I just I I was wondering why they chose. I'm wondering why they chose that sort of setting in this episode in Caretaker. Why the Caretaker thought. I know what I'll be. I'll be an old Southern <laughs> banjo man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe he wanted to be like that. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's a poor choice. I'm just, I'm curious as he thought, I could be, what should I be for these people? <laughs> yeah. um, Napoleon or, or like, uh, I don't know, Beyonce or, or, um, or, I don't know, some other person. Oh, should I be like a, I could, yeah, like an old southern banjo man going, well, come down here and let me let me probe you and see if I can make something. Go on, kid. Seeker's whole aim is to give them something friendly and comfortable as a kind of a waiting yeah. area. But right. later, three years later into Voyager, we find out that there's like Hawaiian holiday resort programs in there. It's like, actually, that would have been better. <laughs> it, it made me think of the um, in uh, Death Wish when we get to see the Q continuum for the first time. Oh, yeah, it felt very much like that sort of mm. um, idea, like uh, uh, something bleak. that's yeah, yeah, less bleak. Um, and it it was kind it was kind of a bit hokey and a bit silly, yeah. but it was also it also was like like so Star Trek, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Um, so although I although I rolled my eyes a bit, I kind of loved it as well. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it was yeah. it was funny to watch these characters try and have a meaningful conversation with something that was just a basically just a character, like yeah. the old the old grandmother going, "I just want to make chicken pot pie," and like <laughs> she's trying to give everyone sweet corn. Oh, sweet corn yeah. and grits! Sweet corn and grits! Like, just have these space grits, and like, I don't want to have space grits. I want to know where I am. <laughs> I'm really confused. <laughs> I think what I think what worked in in the episode's favour is that that bit didn't go on for too long. Yeah, <laughs> like, and actually, I think Caretaker zips along at a pretty fast pace. It does. Like, there's loads of different locations, um, and a lot of them. A lot of the time, they're shooting on location as well. I noticed there's not loads yeah. of studio stuff, and it felt like, um, like visually, there's a lot going on in Caretaker. Actually, felt like they had a bit of money to spend on that mm. night. But yeah, did anyone else? Did anyone else kind of uh, fall in love with the, all those old school map paintings? Oh. Yes. Yeah, it's really cool. Lovely. Yeah, Gorgeous. particularly when we sort of get to the because they just the Acompa, yeah. Because yeah. they in the story they discover that the array is firing off some kind of energy beam every now and again, energy so they follow ball. it and yeah. they come to the Acompa. And yeah, there was just loads of really beautiful matte paintings. And yeah, the Acompa underground city looks incredible, it does. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, the scope and scale of that for a Star Trek TV level budget looks looks really good. They've done some amazing work to really make that look. It's different as well. It's not the same yeah. two or three locations they have. Maybe tends mm. slightly towards looking a bit like a shopping centre at some point. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yeah. especially there's a bit where they're all going up an escalator. Yes. I was yeah. like, oh, right, they've taken them all to the mall. Yeah, they're <laughs> <laughs> pop into yes. Woolworths. But I like that. I like that escalators are clearly the peak of stair technology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we never better stairs than an escalator basically <laughs> how far in the future you are. yeah yeah in fairness this region of the galaxy hasn't mastered a lot of the advanced technology that starfleet has so you know escalators are pretty good there are, yeah yeah starfleet yeah. has kind of forgone stairs hasn't it because it every get they get everywhere with stair well with turbo lifts i mean there are yeah. jeffrey's tubes mm. and i guess there are ladders but it's like, yeah lots of ladders but a ladder yeah, i mean ladders are, is it are ladders stairs yeah, they're not as good as an escalator. You have to no, worry. I, I feel like Starfleet has has two polar opposites. Really, you either got like literal ladders, or you've got super advanced lifts. There's no middle yeah. ground. But you can get trapped. You can get trapped in a turbo lift, can't you? You can't. I don't think you can get trapped on an escalator. You, if you're a bit of oh. your if you're a bit of your trousers, <laughs> then yeah. you could, couldn't you? But, oh. oh, yeah, that'd be horrible. You go horribly wrong in an escalator yeah. if you're not careful. Maybe that's why they don't use them. (laughs) Moustaches is the last thing you need. Why isn't there? They should have a fireman's pole, like from the bridge, from the bridge down to engineering. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would just have to go down. Well, maybe you could have like um, like a kind of a um, ski lift effect on it. You could just have a little step. And the rope. Well, in the, do you know what? In the movies, in the like the original series era movies, don't they have in engineering? Don't they have a like a fireman's pole with a little like a little one person kind of lift that that zips? Kirk uses it, doesn't he? After, during his inspection yeah. tour, after after he gives some shit to Scott, his nephew, he mm-hmm. um, yeah. gets in this little weird one person lift, open fronted lift. <laughs> Again, a health and safety <laughs> night. <laughs> they, have, yeah, they have um they have a one person lift in Voyager as well, don't they? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Or is it, in, yeah. or is it in TNG? It's in TNG. They've got it in engineering in TNG. <clears throat> right, probably, okay. To be fair, it's probably the same lift. <laughs> like the same <laughs> shuttle. <laughs> yeah. To dedicate a whole podcast to this subject. What's your favourite Star Trek lift? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, now you've said it, you know we're gonna end up doing it. We are, aren't we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> Uh, in fairness, I think Trek Ranks has, has done top five scenes in a turbo lift, so you know it's not that far yeah. away. From... We'll go, we'll go one step further and do top five lifts. <laughs> lifts. lifts. Stop, we... Top five methods of ascending, ascending. or descending. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Kirk sliding down the ladder without using the rungs near the end of Trek Two. He's got to go in. Oh, yeah. um, Spock's rocket yeah. boots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So back um, to Voyager, <laughs> before we get too far down this rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. because joking aside, that is a really good subject. Yeah, so we're yeah. going to save any further thoughts till we do that. Um, so yeah, um, we, on the way to the accompanying planet, let's not forget that they pick up a new passenger, they find Neelix. Oh my God, Yay! yes they do. Um, I, yeah. I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a slightly mean-spirited limb oh. and say... 
I think Neelix comes off as just a little bit annoying. No. <laughs> what? I, I don't get me right. I, lo- I love Neelix, and I think over the course of the series, he became a much more interesting mm. character. But he is. Um, Ah, it's <laughs> not a breath of fresh he's not air. Not a breath of fresh air, but which he's supposed to be, isn't he? He's like, oh, here's a here's a one. Here's a, Look here's at this a, cheeky little guy. Here's a cheeky geezer. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm quite I'm quite fond of Neelix, um, and I like. I was I was watching this watching Caretaker. I'm thinking, actually, he's kind of quite seriously jerked them around. He's used them for his own oh, ends. Yes. Yeah, he's telling them one stuff, and he's he's just out to rescue Kez. You know, at the slightest thing, he'll turn around with one of their guns, hold this guy hostage. None of them know what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't even call him on it when they get back to the ship. No, Jamie should have really taught yeah. him a new one for that. Tell them to drop their weapons. Drop them, my friends. Or he dies in an instant. Do it. Do it. He, yeah. does, he doesn't actually... Um, get in the way of their plans. Does he to do that? He just he just uses it to his advantage. No, but but you could argue that at that point, the Voyager crew had a good chance of having at least some kind of relations with the Kazon. No one can until, have relations with the Kazon. <laughs> until Neelix like exploded. Uh, well, yeah, but that didn't work out very well, did it? Um, <laughs> but he then, but he delivers them an Akompa who can help. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess. yeah, which obviously well, the he's, uh, he's groomed. Yeah, it sends us into that very weird relationship. Yeah. Um, it's it's <laughs> yeah. I don't. I mean, the caretaker doesn't go too much into that one, so it's maybe not one to talk about <laughs> and how creepy it is. But um, <laughs> I do notice. I did, I hadn't seen it before, but at the when um, when they realise what Neelix is doing, Chakotay finds it's really fucking funny. He's <laughs> smirking. And I'd never noticed before, but he's totally yeah. smirking. He's, I don't know if he's smirking at how thrown Janeway is or how, like, this Neelix guy has completely played the Starfleet guys to rescue his girlfriend. And, you know, Chakotay's not, not aware of the age weirdness, but he's, he's really enjoying it. And I was quite like, oh, Chakotay's enjoying this. I guess yeah, it's quite unprofessional. But at that point, he's not part of the, he's not no. Starfleet, is he? Mm. Um, that that's something that um, I, I think we talked about before. They they quickly they quickly integrate the marking crew into yeah. Voyager, and they they maybe don't make the best of that that setup. But certainly in the pilot, they are um, yeah, they're they're sort of quite antagonistic in a way. The the Marky crew, and they will have to. Well, okay, a little bit. They, they, they dress differently. They dress differently. (laughs) They wear, they wear leather coats. Yeah, leather, leather, well, leather jerkins. To be fair, (laughs) they do. So, um, obviously, bad boys and girls. It's it's the constant thing with Star Trek. Civilian clothing, civilian fashion in Star Trek is always a bit of a hit or miss operation. (laughs) Yeah. It's often it often veers towards um, Jake Sisko's uh, waistcoats and pajamas. Um, yeah, like unnecessary layers, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And un- like unnecessary kind of zips and like lapels and things. It's like <laughs> I mean, or or frankly, like a, a Bill Cosby jumpers are another thing that, <laughs> that that pop up quite a lot in Star Trek and. Uh, 
Yeah, maybe we can repurpose them now as Star Trek jumpers. Maybe that's yeah. <laughs> that's what we should call them. Yeah, well, that's a less negative connotation than Bill Cosby jumper, isn't it? I did um, going back to Neelix. I did enjoy the scenes that Neelix has with Tuvok. Oh God, um, yes! Like straight away, you have that relationship mm. with Neelix and Tuvok. I, I'd forgotten that that was right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they set up that whole odd couple thing from the get go, don't they? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Tuvok plays a blinder in this episode because straight away, um, at the point um, that Gemma highlighted when um, Chakotay realizes, or he's, he's informed that Tuvok was an agent for the, for Starfleet, it's like, oh, you're going to deliver us into their waiting hands, Vulcan. And Tuvok's like, My mission was to accumulate information on marquee activities and then deliver you into their waiting hands. That is correct. And yeah. straight away, this is this. Tuvok's sarcastic delivery is set there and then when Neelix turns up he just reinforces it yeah so he well. basically the first thing he says to Neelix is like you stink <laughs> yes he, just, he says would you like a bath but what he means is you <laughs> fucking stink <laughs> one, one thing that made me chuckle is in the scene where Neelix does have a bath um, mm. like first of all like how how many um, how many of the ship's quarters have full bathtubs i mean you hear about sonic showers don't hear about them having bathtubs in there you see one in next gen and genesis when troy turns into a fish lady that's exactly what Gemma said when i when i was moaning about bathtubs while we were watching yeah you can't have i don't think you can have a sonic bath because that's just sitting in a bathtub right (laughs) yeah (laughs) we also also see an interaction on your speakers (laughs) We also see an insurrection that Troy has a bathtub because she shaves Riker's beard off in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. right off. Yeah, maybe Troy just always requests a bathtub in her quarters. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But I I like that. What makes me chuckle about that scene is that um, Neelix is in the bath and he's having like a a drink of water out of like a big vase that he's got, but he doesn't swallow any of that water. He spits it all out. And I'm sure that was probably because... That was like the seventh or eighth take, and the actor well, no, was like, "I cannot drink any no, more water; it'll be sick." Isn't the point <laughs> that he's wait, He's just pissing about with water. It's wasting water because he, he can. That's he's not drinking it. He's just like, ah, oh, yeah. but he's but he's, he's like having fun mm. with the fact that it doesn't matter. It made it made me think of like um, but, yeah. like on Sesame Street on the Muppets, <laughs> like when they eat food, but like it was like that. It's water. He's like. <laughs> My, my, my personal theory is that he, he drank his water out of that vase ages ago, and he's, he's, it's just his bath water now. He's oh, filling it up and tipping it up. Oh, he's Mind really. You, if he's been stuck in that tiny ship drinking nothing but recycled water, that's, that's you know, normal for him. Yeah, 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 I guess. That's probably cleaner than most of the water. Yeah. Is. Um, <laughs> Okay, just just to be clear, we've now descended to the point where we're debating whether what the likelihood of Neelix has been drinking his own wee to survive. <laughs> it's got a bit bare grills. So, but so with a with that, if there's a bathtub, does that mean that there's a like a plug hole and the water goes down the plug hole and through, so through pipes and stuff, or yeah, does it just get sort of no, beamed? Does it get sort of beamed somewhere and? Would it go back into? You could say that the water has been um, 
what's the word? You know how they make food. Uh, Replicated. Repurposed. So then it can get, I guess you just put the waste stuff stuff back into the replicator and it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you pull the plug and there's like a, maybe it pours into like yeah. a waste thing. Or, and it just gets free. I like to imagine the people in lower decks just get their drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah. love, yeah, I mean, I love the, um, the, the little side thing to lower decks when she's cleaning out the, um, the uh, holodecks. Yeah, that was that. That was fun. That was a really, so it's a really neat idea. I imagine that does happen. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Can you can can you imagine cleaning out the drip tray on a holodeck? (laughs) (laughs) On on Voyager, that's like the equivalent worst job is dealing with Neelix's (laughs) bathwater. It's full of hairs. It's like uh, if you get your fingers in it, it'll dissolve dissolve the flesh off them. Suvok <laughs> <laughs> just walks in. He oh, doesn't he d- even knock. No, he, he doesn't. Walks does into he? his quarters <laughs> and the bathroom. Looks all shocked. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, like, I didn't you expect- ask you to come in. Here. Yeah, exactly. It's like don't don't be all like that, Suvok. You just walked into a man's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Belana and. Uh, Harry Kim have been beamed over to the Acompa complex mm-hmm. and they have some kind of hideous disease which I don't they never go into do they? No, I thought I felt that that was a slightly undeveloped plot mm. point um, they, they have some makeup on to mm. show that they've got this disease but and they talk about what's, what's going on, why do I have this disease and the Acompa will say I don't know but everyone who's had it has died so <laughs> good luck with that um I don't even remember how they, if they get back to Voyager and the Doctor cures they do, them. Or, they just, or they just, I think the assumption they, is that's what happens because it's never mentioned again. Yeah, I, I, uh, the, the caretaker makes a big thing that he's he's trying to he's tinkering with their genetic makeup to to see if he can make them into a new caretaker. Uh, he wants yeah, the to care for them, so they owe the accompany like he feels he owes them. Yeah, but so far he's died from it. And, but, but then when they get them out of the accompany complex, they, they do the daring rescue, beam them to the ship. They don't even they don't even verbally acknowledge that the Doctor has had to cure this as yet unknown condition. Yeah. yeah. But an, an unencountered li- advanced life form has inflicted upon them. It's just done. And yeah, I think I think that's something Voyager does, is that the Doctor is just kind of the most magical Doctor ever. He mm. can cure anything. They don't, it's not even worth mentioning the, sh- the crazy magical shit he can do yeah <laughs> and I, gu- I guess moving on to the doctor actually we don't see a whole lot of him in this episode because the story doesn't he doesn't have a lot to do in the story i guess but i think he makes an impression he really does straight away yeah. um i don't know whether the whether he was planned to be such a big character from right from the beginning or whether they're just like oh it'll be cool if we have a holographic doctor I think the pilot sets up the, the key fundamentals of the Doctor. He's an emergency help hologram. He's, mm. yeah, he's programmed to be a Doctor. He's not supposed to be there for long term, but he's going to have to be there. He can't turn himself off. He'd get annoyed when people leave him on, and that's literally it. But mm. I would say <laughs> um, it's it's Robert Picardo's performance, more than anything, maybe yeah. the big character he becomes. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. It's hard to... A bit like how we were talking about um, Kate Morgan as Janeway. It's hard to imagine 
anyone else's the EMH. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. A replacement must be requested as soon as possible. I am programmed only as a short-term emergency supplement to the medical team. Well, we may be stuck with you for a while, Doc. There's no need for concern. I am capable of treating any injury or disease. No concussion, you'll be fine. Minimum. And yeah, this isn't this isn't a big story for that character, but he's still he's really memorable in the pilot, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, that's and great. The the actor has has an incredible sense for the the comedic timing, but he can also play the, the wider range of emotion beyond just just comedy, and we see yeah. that through the course of the series. And it's no wonder he becomes the most one of the most memorable characters and gets a lion's share of big stories. I think over the course yeah. of the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he can he can out sarcasm Tuvok as well. I like mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I imagine those two in a sarcasm off. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. A sarcasm off. so uh, we're kind of getting into a really dramatic conclusion area aren't we so yeah yeah we've got um what so what's oh yeah so paris and chakotay are making the daring escape yeah um and tom paris has to like turn hero and rescue chakotay even though they'd hate each other the the, the action guys. sequence on the there's like some stairs that yeah. they're going up and some of the stairs is broken <laughs> and and Paris has to go back and get Chicote. It, it wasn't the most thrilling of action sequences in the pilot. I thought it, it kind of made me chuckle. There's a lot of close up on the on on stair you know metal plates that join the stair segments together and I think yeah. someone's clearly inspired by the recently completed generations where they had similar <laughs> things on Kirk's bridge. Yeah, yeah. Just going back to um, just going back to when they, because they they find out that um, uh, Harry Kim and Bellana are in that a camp in underground city, don't they? Yeah. Um, there was a bit in the in Caretaker which made me chuckle, where they're on the they're, they're on the surface and they've met Kez and Kez is explaining, oh, well, for some reason underground that it changes around so people can leave people can leave the underground cities but we can't get back in and then they say something like Janeway says something like um scan for scan for that (laughs) and then then about and in the next scene they're getting beamed into the underground city and like wait a minute (laughs) they're just there (laughs) because up until that point they hadn't they hadn't been able to find anything like an underground city and then they had this conversation about oh well this is how it works and they're like oh okay just let's just do this let's just scan for that then 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 we can get in (laughs) yeah there are breaches in the security barrier where it's begun to decay. That's how I got out. Have the transporter room begin a sweep for any breaches we might be able to beam through. It's as if the writers were like, we haven't really got time for a bit. Oh, let's just say they're okay. Let's cut to a scene where they're in there. No, they're fine. In. No one will notice. <laughs> got that really, really long action sequence where they're on the stairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the the, the 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 crescendo of the episode. Um, I, I I still quite like that, all that stuff mm. on the stairs. I like that Paris um, gets a scene with Chakotay and um, 
Oh, yeah, it's cool. They should have put escalators in. Why didn't they have like a really long escalator all the way up to the top? Old tunnel. It was before escalators. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Free escalator. <laughs> Thank God they didn't just have a ladder, though. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then we then the, the whole episode, I guess, the, the climax is a, is a space battle. Um, at the array. At the array. Uh, and with the space jerks. With the space jerks, the Kazon. Mm-hmm. And Janeway makes the decision, doesn't she, that she's going to destroy the array rather than let it fall into the Kazon's hands. I was, I was noticing something through the battle. So Janeway and Tuvok are on the array talking to the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Chakotay is on the Marquis ship fighting alongside Voyager. Effectively, Paris is in command of Voyager at that point. Ah, yeah. Because he's the one so. communicating, talking to Chakotay. He's the one coordinating attacks of Marquis' ship. He's the one talking to Janeway, reporting that a new Kazon ship has turned up. So um, the, the dude was in prison at the start of the ship, at the start of the <laughs> program, right? That is a quick promotion. <laughs> quick yeah. I mean, and you can't yeah. accuse Janeway of promoting quickly because, you know, hey, Harry Kim. That's the, that's the problem of, of, of having main characters and who aren't, you know, all the main characters on the the main main characters who aren't all the senior staff because they, they'll have senior staff meetings with Harry Kim, right? Yes, Harry yeah, Kim? yeah. Mm-hmm. I I love that they they're basically like, well, who's going to be in charge of the ship? Uh, maybe the like the Starfleet officer. Uh, Harry okay. Kim is really reliable. Ah, let's put the guy who was just in prison in charge because eh. Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like that space battle. It's um, good, isn't it? Ray. I love the I love the bit where um, Chakotay uh, sets the like the marquee ah, ship to running, running speed. speed. And takes oh, down yeah. the, oh, it's just oh man, it's so cool. It's so cool. I love it when he love turns it. to Bellara and says, "You've got to leave. I'm gonna." I'm going to take this in. I've got to pilot it myself. It can't be piloted remotely. You've got to, you've got to go. And she's like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always feel like he, he was waiting for her to say, no, no, I'll stay. <laughs> she's like, he's like, shit. <laughs> she's called my bluff. Oh, I'm going to die. I like when he, um, he, he says, to, says to Paris, have one of your crackerjack Starfleet transporter officers be ready to beat me out. <laughs> Tell one of your crackerjack Starfleet transporter chiefs to keep a lock on me. I'm gonna try and take some heat off your tail. Yeah. <laughs> right, that old that old seventies. I was gonna say, show. if you're of a certain age in the UK, <laughs> Cracker Jack it was a very weird TV show from years ago. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the maybe the Cracker Jack lessons in Starfleet are all the ones saying the, the Ferengi are <laughs> don't yeah. trust the Ferengi. Yeah. So I love the bit where uh, Chakotay rams that cave on ship, and then that. Um, like there's there's a cool bit where you see like it sort of like breaks apart a little bit and you kind of see like some of the decks of the ship as the, as the it's like it's a really quick shot but it's just oh, it's just a really cool um, little battle <laughs> I don't know when they, when they do blow up the array okay it does look like a sparkler going off I just think that's a cool bit. I just think it's cool I just felt like it was some some cool 90s TV space battle action. I loved it. It was great. It's great to see um, model work. Yeah. yeah. Anytime. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's, it's an exciting end to the episode. And um, the, whole, the whole thing is, is an exciting action adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fantastic battle yeah. sequence. And I love that they bring in um, the, the really massive ship and everyone's like, shit, we haven't got the firepower to take this on. Um, it makes the Kazon seem like a bit of a tougher foe than they might necessarily yeah. have seen otherwise. I, I love the core story of um, the entity, the caretaker, who is has kind of dedicated himself to looking after the Accomper, mm. but also kind of stifling oh, yeah. them at the same time, and now he's dying. And he yeah. Can't do anything about that. I guess, I guess there's, there's, may, there's maybe some story there that could have been explored a bit a bit more mm. maybe but i don't know i think you get because there's a bit of like a sort of a he's like a, a parent that's kind of holding back his, yeah. his children the accompany yeah, when actually yeah when he should have been letting them go mm. and we don't, do we ever actually find out what happens to those the comfort you know the ones because they the comfort turn up again but are they are they the same i the same. I don't remember because I, you know, I don't remember early Voyager all mm. that well because it's it's not something I've jumped to. We, we don't find out what happens to the accompanying homeworlds. No, no, yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah, they never look back, do they? No. They no. Look- oh yeah, those guys. That's funny because like Janeway was so like, well, we can't let we can't yeah. let the, the K's on. You know, take advantage of the accompany. We've got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then the very next episode, they're like, the accompany who? <laughs> <laughs> there's, an, there's an episode where we meet some an accompany colony. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't find any real detail about them beyond that, um, which is yeah. a shame because, you know, it was the whole motivation for it. So it'd be kind of nice to know how that all turned out. Uh, but I think they're kind of just like, it's time for the accompanies to grow up in a way, aren't they? And that's kind of the, the message yeah. they're trying to give the caretaker. Well, that's not very fair, though. They only live until they're about nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a bit, yeah. In fairness, they get the, the amount of extra energy provided. Um, it might seem like not that long until uh, they'll run out and the Kazon could find a way in, but it's about three generations of a company. <laughs> what's yeah. alive at the moment are going to remember. Or will be alive when it, when it happens, so... All, all, all that side of the story feels does feel very Star Trek mm-hmm. um, in a good way, in a, in a way that I enjoyed uh, watching it back. Um, so at the at the end of the episode, they do mention they they slip in the idea that there might be another uh, caretaker, like a female tech caretaker mm-hmm. entity that's out there somewhere. I, I was reading on Memory Alpha that was a little kind of get out clause that they kind of put in like just in case um reactions to the pilot were really bad and they wanted to find a way to bring the voyager crew quickly back to the alpha quadrant oh, wow we see it seems like a massive i can't imagine they would ever have really no. done that um, where would they go from there i know <laughs> but like but but yeah I, I read that they sort of built that into the story just in case they they needed to you know in a couple of episodes time bring them back to the alpha quadrant mm. and uh, sack off the whole delta quadrant thing is a bad idea <laughs> that's amazing i mean imagine when if they'd done that <laughs> yeah yeah how that could have been a what a weird series voyager would have been 
Um, yeah. Well, this goes jumped around a bit, hasn't it? I guess it has. Yeah. I guess it has. Um, I I also read that they the 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 idea initially was to to have the the marquee be you know more um, the be more sort of confrontation. They they wouldn't necessarily gel well with the Starfleet crew, and then there was there was some pushback because of how it was felt that that DS Nine wasn't the massive success everyone thought it was going to be, and they wanted mm. to kind of get away from that the sort of stories and the sort of conflict they'd explored in DS Nine. It's a shame. Oh, yeah, you mean like the yeah the good stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the the stuff that makes DS Nine brilliant. Yeah. And, and I, the stuff I, that's never really rung true with Voyager. Yeah, yeah. The stuff that we always moan about yeah. with Voyager, basically. I, I read that there was some debate over whether the uh, Marquis should end up wearing Starfleet uniforms or not. And in the end, they decided, yeah, they, they would wear Starfleet uniforms to show that they'd integrated into the crew. And Which, when you, when you when you see how seriously Starfleet officers take that uniform in other... In other series then that's kind yeah. of it's weird that they just handed them around <laughs> and they didn't give one to neelix they didn't neelix. give one to neelix no. did they? do these uh, replicators make clothing as well yes will it make me a uniform like yours no it most certainly will not but well, he's done more stink. for them than that 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 guy that was with the uh, Tuvok and oh yeah, there's that guy who's like he's he doesn't just, have any lines. He's a little bit Mad Max. He looks like he's come out of Mad Max. Yeah. He's with uh, yeah, he's with Chakotay and Balana, but he's like the quiet extra. <laughs> I think that's Ay- Ayala. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that. I think that might be Ayala. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I thought that too. Like it's um it's it's, it's funny to, on Voyager to watch. Um, background actors try and do as much as they can without having any lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Even if it's completely unnatural that they wouldn't speak. <laughs> in certain situations. Yeah, I love that. Well, sometimes you give them a line, you've got to pay them more. That's well, it. Exactly. Yeah. It's the difference between a walk-on and a. Um, Oh damn it! An, an, an extra. extra, an extra can have lines. A yeah. walk-on can't have lines. Well, this is what I remember from my years, my short time of being a walk-on. Yeah, yeah extras, that. extras yeah. don't have to be part of. They're not part of a union or anything. So, yeah, yeah they're not. I don't think they extras can't speak, but they can do no, everything ex- else. Extras can speak. Well, I, I think. But no, I think in America, walk-ons can't. I think in America, it, it's that if you, I think like. Yeah, I think it's around the union. I think if you speak, then effectively you're yeah, yeah. you have oh, a line. Okay. Then you should be part of an actors' union, not part of an extras' union. Mm. And then, yeah, I think that's what it is. In, right. Yeah. In, in America, America, at least. Yeah. 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 I feel like we've we've really explored caretaker in some detail. Yeah. And it's we're an hour and a quarter in. Yeah, yeah. We still are meant to be talking about Endgame tonight. So, shall we? Should we should we kind of round up with with anyone? Think I've got any points? I the the only point I think I have is that I I really enjoyed Caretaker. I think may, maybe it um, it moves along at a fast pace and it's 
it's fun and exciting. Maybe it isn't especially cerebral episode. It doesn't but... need to be cerebral, though, does it? It's just yeah. that's not that's not always what you want from a pilot. I, th- I think for a pilot, it does a really good job mm. of introducing the characters and the yeah. setting, and yeah, I don't it sets up I... the premise of the show really well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the you know the episode as you get into the episodes, then you've got time for more cerebral. Mm-hmm kind of deep thinking stuff i think there's nothing wrong with having a, a, a really fun yeah macro viruses yeah yeah stuff yeah stuff that's really <laughs> uh, yeah really thoughtful um i think i think uh, caretakers are my favorite star trek pilots actually mm. i think it it really works well it is i think as a pilot it's it definitely does probably does the best of maybe all of them um Emissary is is great, but I think if you need to view DS9 as a whole for Emissary to really pay off, whereas Caretaker Mm. works just as a really good, fun Star Trek and action-adventure story on its own. Um, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Encounter Um, at Farpoint is not as good. (laughs) I can't really (laughs) argue. It's weird. I still like it. I do still like it, but it is weird. (laughs) I, I, you know, I think in terms of Star Trek pilot, I actually really, really like the discreet mm. opening two-parter. Mm. I, I think that might be my favourite mm. Star Trek pilot, with with caretaker a close second. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I suppose, I suppose in, in, it's very similar in the, to Voyager in that they have a very specific thing to set up. Mm-hmm. Voyager has to yeah. be lost yeah. and has to have a journey ahead of it, and it has to have certain crew in, introdu- introduced in the same way that um, Discovery has a, has a very specific story it's setting up and introducing there so yeah whereas t- I suppose TNG and DS9 they didn't have such a kind of high concept no. series idea They're, I guess TNG was they have adventures on a spaceship yeah. it's like the original series and DS9 is they have adventures, but it's on a space station. Yeah, I mean, DS9 introduced a lot of concepts that paid off, but they weren't planned yeah. in such a way. Yeah, I, I think Caretaker works really well. Uh, I did put out on Twitter early on um, about that we were going to be recording, and a few people did respond. Um, Was it positive? Yeah, yeah. Our, our, our good friend Trekkie Rob said, he's a, I'm a huge Voyager fan, so not surprisingly, I love both the pilot and the uh, and the finale, the pilot throwing Voyager into the Delta Quadrant and merging the Starfleet. My crew, my key crews, was awesome. Um, um, and we are Starfleet baguette said um, particularly likes caretaker and really likes Tuvok's introduction, which is something we did sort of bang on about a little bit. Yeah. Um, likewise, our, our good friend Ian um, at rebooting me is uh, highlighted the Harry talking with Quark was good. This is another scene we yeah. banged on about a little bit. So. Yeah. Um, I did run a poll to who, who preferred Caretaker own game, but we'll, we'll keep the results of that until the end of the next episode. Ooh. Yeah. Edge of my seat. Yeah. Oh, good, yeah. Tell Head us. on a cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the results will shock you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, shall we round up this episode here? Hmm. And then uh, we've got to crack on with another recording. We, we have. We've got to talk yeah. about it. 
And um, it's a school night. Oh my god! It's only eleven o'clock. Let's get another glass of wine on. Yay! Yes. Talk up Endgame. So yeah, listeners, please come back and join us um, for that one because it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs> please, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, thank you very much, everyone. Yeah, and, thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with Endgame. Awesome. See you again soon. <laughs> Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition! You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum! Oh no! I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along, and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash loweredexradio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us on however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew Let's make sure that history never forgets the name 10 Backward Daddy, don't you think you should rephrase that? Ten backward. Ten backward. Do these uh, replicators make clothing as well? Yes. Will it make me a uniform like yours? No, it most certainly will not.